Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to the book of Esther and chapter 10, reading for our text, verse 3, the last verse of that book. Esther chapter 10 and verse 3. For Mordecai the Jew was next unto King Ahasuerus and great among the Jews and accepted of the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people and speaking peace to all his seed. Esther chapter 10 and verse 3. In preaching the word, we seek to preach Christ Jesus. When we come to a verse like this, you might think, well, where is the Lord there? This is all about Mordecai. But in the word of God, There are those types and types in the persons of leaders and those who have been in position amongst the people of God that are beautiful types given by God of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Mordecai is one of those. We think of others like Moses. A prophet shall the Lord thy God raise up unto you Like unto me, him shall ye hear. We think of of Joseph. Uh, All of these are types. We must always remember that a type doesn't follow through in every part of their lives. It doesn't mean to say because Mordecai is a type as described in this verse and in those things that he did that he is a type in every aspect of the account that is here. The same with Joseph. But it is as we get little glimpses, the fullness is in the Lord Jesus Christ. We think of the two kingdoms, David's kingdom and Solomon's kingdom. Again, David, a type of Christ, Solomon, a type of Christ, David, a man of war, Solomon, a man of peace, and we have in two separate characters but joined in our Lord Jesus Christ. The kings of Israel were never permitted to be prophets or to offer sacrifices. Saul acted very foolishly when he forced himself and offered the sacrifice instead of waiting for Samuel. But in the Lord Jesus Christ, those two officers of king and of prophet, he is our prophet, priest and king, they all meet in one person. So when we look at one person, one aspect, one king perhaps of David, and we see a type of Christ, we don't see everything about him, but we see part. And it's as we see the Lord through the lattice of the word, that we are to be drawn to him and to drawn to what he is for us. And this verse here describing Mordecai is a, a beautiful description of our Lord. I want to think firstly of Mordecai, what he was to the Jews here in this context. 
This comes at the end of this account, but we read of him very early on and in his relationship to Esther herself. Esther, who uh, was his cousin and who he looked after. We are told uh, in chapter 2 that there was in Shushan, the palace, a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, which had been carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And he was the one that brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter. She had no father nor mother. Now, if this was referring to Mordecai being carried away, that would make him uh, probably about 130 years of age. But I believe in the order, as it's put here, the the chain, it was his great-grandfather that was carried away, and that would then make it more of a, a right time that would bring Esther to not be that old, be the age that she was of a a young virgin for the king. We think of the range of years with this account here. It is after, of course, the Jews have been brought back of their 70 years captivity. It is 38 years after the temple had been rebuilt but there was going to be another 35 years before Nehemiah would come and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So that's roughly where where we find the the book of Esther. And here we have then introduced to us Mordecai. And what is very evident, and those of you who are familiar with this book, with this account where Mordecai is at the king's gate, Haman, the Jew's enemy, has been exalted to next to the king and Mordecai cannot bow down to him and Haman, in vengeance against him, seeks to destroy all the Jews and deceitfully gets a letter from the king, sealed with the king's king's seal, to effect that. But here is Mordecai, even before the enemy was evidenced, even before those letters of destruction were sent forth, there is Mordecai, he is there. And it is him uh, that it later is able to speak to Esther and say to her when she is the king's wife, when she is married to him, who knoweth that thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He is the one uh, that the Lord had chosen, though, to be replacing Haman, to be the one next to the king, and that from this what was to be a curse and of such sorrow to the Jews would turn out, as we read, to such joy to the Jews. And that joy was through the letters that were sent out. We didn't read the chapter, chapter 9, where they actually had the battle with their enemies. But we read even before that day came, 
even when there still was the sentence of death against them, but there was a counter decree from the king that they could stand up and fight, they rejoiced. They were pleased. Why? Because they had the king on their side. You might say, why didn't the king just disannul that command? Why didn't he just say that was done wrongly? We'll take away the sentence of death. Well, the decrees of the uh, Persians, they could not be altered. Daniel in the lion's den, that was the same thing. Darius, he couldn't change his own decree and say that it was a mistake and bring Daniel out. He had to go into the lion's den and then be preserved by the Lord's angel and then brought out again. And so with the decree here, that could not be changed. And dear friends, a sentence of death against us as sinners, that which the Lord signed, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die, that must stand, that cannot be disannulled, it cannot be taken away. We all must die, we are dead in sin and we must die physically. But there is a counter, a counter decree, the decree of the gospel, and it is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is signed equally, authority, that the people of God can stand against Satan. You think of the words, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. He will not permit you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. The accuser of the brethren is cast down. Satan The seed of the woman should bruise the serpent's head and he shall bruise his heel. That which the Lord Jesus Christ has done. And the tidings of the gospel, the message of the gospel. When we read this, I don't know whether you noticed this, those letters were going out into all the provinces and according to all the languages of those provinces. And you cannot but think, of the gospel to every nation, kindred and tongue and in the language of those people and like it was on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given they heard everyone speak in their own language. And we have then the whole situation really as a type of the gospel and the gospel provisions delivering from wrath, delivering from death and giving life. And this then gave rise to, and it's one of the reasons why this is in the Holy Word of God to explain the, uh, the Purim, the Feast of Purim, is also without the Lord intervening here, then the Lord's people would have been destroyed. And how vital it was that there be the continuing line. But in it, though we don't hear of God throughout it, We hear of his work right the way through it. If there is ever a book that God is known by the judgment that he executeth, it is this book. If there is ever a book where it is known that God is seen by his works and by that which he does, so that we could say the thing proceedeth from the Lord, or this is the Lord's doing and is marvellous in our eyes. It's the same God that turned Balaam's curse into a blessing. It's the same God that 
It takes away the sentence of death and gives the words of life to his dear people. And so, right from the beginning, we find Mordecai is featuring, but at the end, we find him in this position, right next to the king. And what a wonderful thing that must have been for the Jews to have a man like that, to have one of their own brethren. And you think of this type of our Lord. Moses says, A prophet shall the Lord thy God raise up unto you like unto me of thy brethren, of our bone and of our flesh, born a Jew, our Lord Jesus was. And so was Mordecai the Jew. And these things that are said of Mordecai, that must have been a wonderful thing for the Jews at this time, right next to King Ahasuerus, to have one of their own number, their own brethren. And there he is. And there he is in that position next to the king, great among the Jews, accepted of the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people and speaking peace to all his seed. What a contrast to the ups and downs, the sorrows, the distresses, all that went through here. It may be you gather this evening and you're in the middle of the ups and downs, the waves, the billows, the tossings, the fears, the sentence of death, the adversary exalting himself, the gallows raised up, all the things that were featured here. May this be an encouragement. The Lord is not finished yet. The Lord led right through to the end here. And what a blessed end it was. Judge nothing before the time. The Lord knows what he will do. How many times the people of God had feared. The children of Israel in Egypt Nine signs and still not let go. They must have thought they were never going to be let go. They'd never have deliverance. You might be gathering this evening thinking you'll never have deliverance. You've seen this happen, that happen. Your heart's still hard, still not uh, set free from the things of this world, the spirit of this world, still held fast, still in bondage. You think, what can do it? What, What can achieve it? Well, the Lord will prove this, that nothing but his blood, nothing but his way, nothing but the Lord Jesus Christ will bring it about. We think later on when the children of Israel were right at the Red Sea, the mountains each side, the Egyptians behind them, the Red Sea in front of them, again it seemed to be an end to finish them. And then the Lord appears and that Red Sea it turned salvation for them and the other side. How many come is the deliverance? And then there is the that we oft he comes at evening light, but we are to not lose hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And these accounts like this they point us to the God of hope. They point us to what the Lord will do and how he will act in providence, moving men's hearts, the timing. Dear friends, notice timing in your lives. Notice those things that are done and the order that they're done in them. 
Psalm 107. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. So, this is Mordecai and what he was to the Jews, to his people. I want to take each of the points that are set before us here that speak of Mordecai, but speak more to our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. They give us a picture of his position and where he is at this present time. Now the first one that is said is his position next unto the king. For Mordecai the Jew was next unto the king. And we've already mentioned that it is highlighted here. It's just, it doesn't just say, for Mordecai was next unto king, Ahasuerus, but Mordecai the Jew, highlighting his kindred and who it was. A man that is a real man with swoons still gaping wide. We have our Lord Jesus Christ spoken of in the word in Proverbs, it speaks of him being with the Lord, brought up by him. Uh, and when the earth was formed, we have our Lord saying of the glory that he had with his Father before the world was. But that is not what is highlighted. What is highlighted here is after Mordecai had been brought in sackcloth and ashes and brought very low, and after then he had been exalted. And we think of our Lord who came into this world and came made under the law, made of a woman, and that he came and humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him, given a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. It is his position now, And we read that when our Lord rose from the dead, then he ascended up into heaven and he sat on the right hand of the throne of God. We read in Revelation 5 of him that sat on the throne, the Father, and the book, and who shall open the book? Who can open the book? That closed book. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, he shall open it. And he took out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne the book, and worthy was the Lamb to open that book. There he is in the midst of the throne. A a great mystery to us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the exaltation of the Lord, his presence, he appeareth in the presence of God for us. He is in heaven. He is there as one like unto his brethren, one that makes intercession for them. We think of other types in this same way, as if the Lord would reinforce it through the word. You think of Joseph. Joseph was hated by his brethren, sold by his brethren. He was brought then into Egypt, cast into prison, and from prison he was raised up, And where was he put? Right next to Pharaoh. 
Pharaoh says, only in my throne uh, am I greater than thee. And all that was done, all that was done in Egypt was done through Joseph. Again, we have this same message, this same time. Here is his brethren, his brethren that have dealt with him as they have, rejected him, cast him out. Uh, These same brethren, uh, it is him, one of their brothers, that's exalted in this position. And at first, they didn't know him. First, they didn't recognise him. But as he said to them later, that God had sent him before to preserve their lives by a great deliverance. You see the parallels. You see the reinforcing through these types that we can uh, understand, grasp a little with our poor minds of the, the message of one made like unto us at the right hand of the Father in a position like Mordecai was. A real man, one like unto his brethren, and right in the presence of God for us. But then we have the uh, next time, which is that he was great among the Jews. In Psalm 29, we read that in his temple doth every one speak of his glory. Now, everyone in the world does not speak of the Lord's glory. You can go into many places in this world and not one would have a good thing to say about the Lord. But here it is that Mordecai was great among the Jews. He was a Jew and he was great among the Jews amongst those that he had been made like unto. We could say as well how that he was highly esteemed, he was honoured, he had great honour in that position that he was, a name which is above every name. Another way we could look at this is said here that He was great among the Jews. In other parts of the word, we read of our Lord as one amongst a thousand. Or we could put it in another way. This is not just like a sinful man being exalted. Yes, Mordecai was a sinful man. But in our Lord Jesus Christ, he is great among his people and his greatness is that there is none like him because he is truly God and truly man. He is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. He stands separate from all his brethren in that way and looked upon as great for that reason. And so this is what is said of Mordecai, And this shall be the mark, really, of all of those of his kindred, of the people of God, which the Jews were here, but in a spiritual sense, the people of God, the Lord Jesus Christ is great. 
God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. And the Lord Jesus Christ, just because he is made like unto his brethren, just because in the, his face we may look upon God and live, doesn't mean to say that we treat him with dishonour or contempt or familiarity or without that due reverence. No, that can never be so. And I think it's one of the solemn things in some assemblies of professing Christians so-called that there seems to be the... Well, our Lord said, Thou thoughtest that I was altogether one, such as thou art. But the disciples, whenever they saw him, and when he had risen from the dead, they worshipped him. They bowed before him. They esteemed him. They honoured him. He was truly great in their eyes. And we think of that with Joseph as well. Those very brothers that had sold him they cast him into the pit. You know, even after, after Jacob had died, they were thinking then he would turn upon them. Now that their dad was dead, now he'd really deal with them. Poor Joseph, how he wept when he heard them because he only thought peace and goodwill towards them. But they acknowledged his greatness. They knew he had power, if he would, to... Deal with them and deal with them harshly. And so he stood in that way uh, above them. Perhaps if he put it another way, the fear of the Lord, a childlike filial fear. He explained it sometimes like a father, a father that disciplines his children with love. And children know that he loves them. But they know also that if they do wrong and they don't listen to his voice, he will correct them and he will deal with them. And they have then that reverence of him. He is great in their eyes as their father and they esteem him as such. And we are to do that with our Lord as well. And certainly we do not read this, Mordecai was held in contempt of the Jews. Or Mordecai with, was held with familiarity. No, he was great among the Jews. I believe if we see the Lord as he truly is, then he will be great to us as well. Great amongst the people of God. But then we have, uh, thirdly, that he was accepted of his brethren. Now, of course, our Lord was not accepted of his brethren at first. We, we read that uh, even his brethren did not believe on him. We think of Joseph. His brethren did not believe his dreams. They ridiculed him. They sold him. But... When the Lord had risen, when he had ascended, when the Holy Spirit was sent down, then they were convicted at the day of Pentecost. Then many thousands were brought to believe and he was accepted amongst his brethren. Blindness, says Paul in part, has happened unto the Jews until the fullness of the Gentiles is brought in. 
Our text says regarding Mordecai that he was accepted of the multitude of his brethren. And no doubt even with Mordecai there were some that would not have accepted him. But of the brethren, we, we think of the Jews and of their Lord's brethren that are brought to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And we believe the time will come that it shall be more so and as a nation as well. But the spiritual brethren, the people of God, those that are his true brethren, he is accepted of them in all that he is. He is embraced, you know, as a mark of God's dear people that the Lord Jesus Christ is the accepted one. He is the Christ. He is the Saviour. He is my Redeemer, my Saviour. He is the one that I owe my life to, who God has raised up, who speaks for me in heaven's high court for good. We're not looking in another direction, in another way. One of the marks of the children of Israel through the wilderness, they kept on trying to usurp Moses' authority, Aaron's authority. The rod that budded had to prove that, who had the authority of heaven. And so we see in this account as well, the things that were done established Mordecai's authority with the king and with his brethren. How vital it is, if there is one to be a mediator, if there is one to be one that does appear in the presence of God for us, that he has an acceptance with God and with man. We read when our Lord was growing up, he grew in stature and in favour with God and with man. And we find with Mordecai here that he is in this position. But then we have fourthly, that he was seeking the wealth of his people, that which was good for them, the real good for them. I cannot think that all that Mordecai was looking after was material wealth. No. I believe in that scattered throughout those nations, he was seeking true wealth, the true blessing of the Lord. And... Truly our Lord Jesus Christ. When we read Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. We're not to imagine that that means, well, they work together to get a good bank balance, to have a nice, healthy life and loved ones and, and nothing goes wrong. The Lord has a greater love to the souls of his people than he has to their bodies. The flesh will dislike the way, but faith will uh, esteem it well and like it well. The Lord says, Fear not them which kill the body. After that, there's nothing more they can do. But fear him who hath power after he hath killed to cast both body and soul into hell. Yea, fear him. And we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto us. 
And so with our heavenly Mordecai, our Lord Jesus Christ, may we always remember this and not be stumbled, and not be just a fair-weather Christian. The Lord said, In me ye shall have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The Lord seeks the true wealth of his people, those things that shall work for their eternal good. You know, there's some of their brethren in very poor countries, those in Sri Lanka that we know, and they will say, well, you are praying for us in our poverty and in our need, but we are praying for you because you have prosperity and you have wealth and you have ease and they are greater danger than ever what our poverty and our need is to us. And they can see it, but we can't see it. And it's a good thing that we remember that we have our Lord above. He will not suffer us to have those idols or those things that shall do our souls ruin. To remember that we have him that has the king's ear, who is in control. May we always remember this. The Lord is in control in this world, not Satan. We had leaflets put in our Bible boxes by the Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm not saying Jehovah's Witnesses put them there. Maybe other people have put them there. But in some of those leaflets, it makes the statement that Satan is in control in this world, that God does not bring anything evil, anything wrong. Well, is there evil in the city and the Lord hath not done it? God is in control, not Satan. Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commandeth it not? God is not the author of sin and evil, sinful evil, but it is he, and by his decrees, that brings, and we think with great sympathy of those who have suffered for the uh, recent earthquake uh, and those who have suffered loss and the disasters through the world. But these things don't come by chance. They don't take the Lord by surprise. He said there shall be wars and rumours of wars, earthquakes in diverse places, but See that ye be not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. It is a most solemn thing to suggest that God is not in control in this world. He is, and he is at perfect peace with all that is happening. And we think of Mordecai in this position here, in the ability to speak to the king and to make decrees and to order things as far as what could have been done for that nation, for the good of his people. And we have the Lord on the throne, and the Lord Jesus Christ next unto the King, and he is speaking good for his people. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. It is the Lord that assures his people he has not cast them away. He is still speaking for them and for their good. We might think sometimes that we do not have that voice above, but we do. And the Lord speaks for us and makes intercession 
for us. Well, the last thing that is set before us here regarding Mordecai, speaking peace to all his seed. The first parts of what has been described is Mordecai right next to the king. And yes, what he is amongst the Jews and accepted of them. But here he is speaking to his seed. And he's a beautiful type of the gospel. This is where the Lord speaks to his people. My peace I leave with you, I give unto you. Not as the world give I unto you. See that ye be not troubled. We think of when Peter was sent to Cornelius, the Gentiles, bringing together the other fold, and he summarises the gospel, and he says, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. And this is what Mordecai was doing, a message of peace. And we always to remember this, there's a difference between the law and the gospel. In this account of Esther, we have the law that condemned them to death. We have another law given, but it is a gospel, it is good news. It comes from the same source, it has the same authority. One brought sadness, the other one brought gladness. The gospel is not to be taken as a great big stick to beat the people of God. It is good news of salvation and it is good news for those that cannot help themselves, that are sinners. They are like the wounded one that went down to Jericho, fell amongst thieves. No use standing at the top of the pit or looking down at him and saying, if only you'd get up. If you only go and apply these balms, you'd be all right. Those that passed by on the other side, they couldn't help. The good Samaritan came right where he was. He healed him. He poured in oil and wine. He bound up his wounds. He brought him up. He put him on his, his donkey. He brought him to the inn. He gave charge over him. This is the Lord. This is the gospel. Sinners can say, and none but they, how precious is the Saviour. Those who come, as it were, and saying, well, here is the gospel, here is salvation, it's offered to you, all you've got to do is to accept it, embrace it, and that you do your part. The people of God that know their sinful heart, that know how backward they are, they said, how can I come? How can I believe? Tis Christ makes a believer. This is the work of God that ye believe in him whom God has sent. We're exhorted to repent, to turn from idols, to turn from every other way of salvation and look for salvation alone in Christ. But in the gospel he comes to a sinner. He gives them repentance. He gives them grace. He gives them uh, forgiveness and pardon of sins. Every grace and every favour comes to us through Jesus' precious blood. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of mine hand. 
And that good news is to those that are sinners of the deepest eye. He which hath begun a good work in you, when you are dead in trespasses and sins, pass by thee when thou wast in thy blood, and when thou wast in thy blood, bid thee live. That is the gospel. And it is the power of God unto salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that will apply the word of the gospel. The Lord said, No man can come unto me except the Father which sent me draw him. And I pray it might be so, as the word is preached this evening. As we hear that word, we'll be drawn to our Lord Jesus Christ, drawn to our heavenly Mordecai, drawn to him who God has prepared for sinners, who even before we fell, before we knew our need, had provided a remedy and a way of escape in his precious sin-atoning blood. Salvation says, Jonah is of the Lord. I will look again toward thy holy temple. And the Lord spake unto the fish and vomited him out on the dry land. Dear Joseph, thinking of him as a type, how much that he spoke for and placed his brethren and looked after them in the land of Egypt. Those who may be troubled this evening, Remember, as the Lord's people, you have a heavenly Mordecai to look after you and to preach peace to you and to speak for you in heaven's high court for good and for what is your real good. May we be held to trust him, look to him and lean upon him and may he be great in our esteem and may we bless him and glorify his name. Amen.